Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Late uh, coaches press availability or media availabilities ran a bit behind schedule. Bill O'Brien got stuck in meetings, but we're here now uh, to take some of your mailbag questions, answer some of the ones you've already submitted. Uh, real quick, though, Brian, how you doing first and foremost? And also any takeaways from uh, what we heard from the coaches just now? Uh, you know, I'm doing as well as I can be for uh, <laughs> two and seven here, but you know, we're uh, in, in even the Celtics lost last night. Everyone, uh, the Bruins won, so we're, we're we doing all right, but um, <laughs> yeah, we're powering through, we're, we're ready for Germany here, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, two and seven, right? This is what it is, this, but the show has to go on, so yeah, I decided this time to ditch the whole ah, oh, the Patriots lost another one, da 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 da, everyone's used to it by now. We just want to talk about the interesting stuff. So I'll throw up our first question. No need to dilly-dally. Uh, all right. So how can number 11 not know how to outcut in year two? Hard to believe Troy Brown can't coach proper STEM work. Um, I can take this one first. We actually heard from Bill O'Brien. He touched on Taekwon Thornton and uh, said that actually on the first route, Thornton did the right thing. He ran a good route. I wasn't sure about it, honestly. I thought that he kind of rounded it out and like how far he went inside the hashes looked a little off to me. Uh, but according to Bill O'Brien, that was the right play. The other routes, however, not so much because O'Brien acknowledged that on the next time he was targeted on third down, didn't go so well. He didn't separate. And O'Brien also mentioned, as you can read in my most recent uh, piece, my film room on the Patriots receiver situation against the commanders. Thornton hasn't played a lot. And as much as we want to get on receivers about, you know, being able to catch on quickly and all that stuff, it's kind of like Cole Strange where these guys just haven't played a ton of football yet and they're still getting used to stuff. Now, does that mean I would like to see him get 20 snaps a game? No, because after seeing what we witnessed last game, I think, you know, he needs to prove himself more because that just wasn't an NFL caliber rep, like period. It was kind of alarming. Um, but, you know, you also have to be fair to the guy's relative situation. Although, you know, it does look bad for the Patriots once again that this is a player that they spent high capital on who hasn't panned out. And the way it looks based on his current trajectory probably won't be a big contributor for you going down the stretch of the season. Yeah. I was kind of with you, honestly, on that first misfire. And Max still gets most of the blame on that. Yeah. But, like, for an explosive guy at Thornton, I thought it was just kind of slow and then not as clean at the top of the route. But, yeah, Bill O'Brien said it was good. But he said he didn't win on the next third down, but there were two third downs, right? There was that one where he looked like he was in a basketball foot fire drill, like yeah. stomping his feet at the top of the route. And then the the next third down back to him and uh, it kind of looked like he drifted upfield maybe a little bit. It, it was incomplete. Let the corner come back. And we saw Mac yelling at someone after the play. We wasn't sure if it was, it was Taekwon, if it was pop, but we never saw Taekwon after that. So you'd assume, you know, two not very clean routes there. And, you know, as the question brings up, like this comes back to Troy Brown, because it hasn't been pretty the last two, three years from, from that room, from multiple guys like this isn't just a Taekwon Thornton issue so I don't know what's going on in that room just something isn't there's some sort of disconnect because mm -hmm. it's not pretty you still see spacing issues week in week out and someone asked Troy Brown about that today and he just went back to his thing like the only two things I care about is getting in the football but 
these guys aren't getting open and they're also not catching the football, right? So there's some sort of disconnect in that room. And yeah, it hasn't been pretty pretty for Taekwon, even as a top 50 pick. Uh, so they, they might have to go back back into the well, obviously, at that wide receiver position here. Yeah, and that's why my whole piece yesterday really focused solely around the receiver position because there's a certain amount of things that Troy Brown can't do. Troy Brown can't catch the passes for you. You know, he can't actually execute for these guys on the field. But the fact that for years now, it feels like there's been these kinds of issues where guys are in the same area. Now, there's a lot of things going on here. Like you got young guys, you have people who are stepping into roles that they probably shouldn't have to fill, like Jalen Rager. Didn't even start the season with you. You signed him kind of last minute before the start of the season. He's trying to catch on as a guy who hasn't proven throughout his NFL career that he can be someone that you rely on consistently as one of your top options. And Kayshawn Booty, people are clamoring for him because they're so desperate. He's a healthy scratch. Demario Douglas, you see it every single week where it's justified that he's on the field because he's one of the only people making plays. But at the same time, there's at least two glaring mistakes where, like you mentioned, on the Taekwon Thornton uh, play where he didn't catch a ball that Max squeezed into really tight coverage – you also notice, it was a great job by Phil Perry pointing this out, that Pop is kind of running an option route the way you would in college, where you have time and you kind of just walk up to the guy basically because you know you're probably the second or third read and you got time. And it's taking way too long where you can't expect the ball to be held that long. And then, like you said, there was a play with Hunter Henry where they break to the same area and it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? I doubt Hunter Henry is the one who's wrong in the situation. So it's, it, it's a really – alarming predicament they find themselves in where even Kendrick Bourne as good as he was and he was by far their best receiver the consistency with his routes wasn't even always there and this is a persistent issue with every single player that you've had in your receiving core this year at some point and pretty much on a weekly basis is having the same problem where routes aren't pristine the details aren't there and on top of all the other issues with protection with Mac Jones kind of regressing because of all the issues around him then you don't even have the receivers on the other end of these things when protection does hold up and Mac does put the ball where he needs to be they're either not running the right routes or they're dropping the football so any other thoughts you have on that because I <laughs> it's just it's it's funky man I don't I don't know what you do and how you have consistency there for the rest of the season yeah the rest of the season is key because I was gonna say get better players but um you know that's obviously <laughs> an offseason thing funny enough I was, I was looking at I don't know why but I was looking at uh Pop Douglas's like scouting report and, and one of the weaknesses you know, from April or March or whatever was like route running, like sometimes has sloppy, sloppy routes. And, and yeah, you are seeing that a few times a game. I think it's good though, that he he's out there, you know, he's the only one that's making plays, but you know, you're kind of at the point where get him out there and let him try to work through some of these growing pains, but it's been nine weeks into the season now and it's still kind of the same stuff. So again, like let's, Let's harp on that. Let's try to work that out of him. Hopefully that that can get done. But yeah, it just hasn't been a clean operation from that group. Obviously, there's talent deficiencies, which is a whole nother conversation. But like the simple stuff, spacing, like for two or three years, that hasn't been there in that group. And I think you got to start pointing at Troy Brown there in some capacity. It's really scary when you look at the outlook for the position as well. And it's like Demario Douglas is the one guy that you look at as, okay, we can build around him. But you got Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster under contract for another couple of years. And they've been two of the biggest disappointments on either side of the ball. Just 
Not and, great, Bob. Uh, and yeah. someone someone points out like in the comments, like he's from Liberty. Give him some time. Like he was a six round pick for a rookie, right? But yeah, it's unfortunate they're at the point where they they have to rely on on this six round pick from Liberty to be like their number one receiver and to carry the load offensively. So, I, I mean, I'm not writing Pop Douglas off. I love Pop Douglas and everything mm-hmm. he brings, but like you know, there, there's two or three rookie errors, which, you know, he's a rookie from Liberty, exactly. But there, mm-hmm. there's stuff you see pretty consistently that you, you'd like to get cleaned up now that you go to the second half of the year here. Yeah, and more than anything, it's just an indictment on the team and not having enough skill at the wide receiver position or quality depth even, where, you know, you're not expecting wide receiver three, four, five to just magically become wide receiver ones. But at the same time, you are still in a position where Demario Douglas, six-round pick out of Liberty, has to be your go-to. And that's that's not on him. He's a rookie. Learning and growing pains are going to happen. That's on the roster building and the team. Uh, moving on. A change has to happen, says Avery. What would be your preference midseason, firing of Bill Belichick or bench Mac Jones? The why cannot continue to occupy the same – they cannot continue to occupy the same space-time continuum. They are destroying the Patriots. I like the uh, – I like the way you wrote that. It's it's uh, it's funny, but yeah, Brian, I'll let you take this one first. Oh man, I I don't think you're gonna see any <laughs> midseason change here, just because, yep. yep. uh, you know, starting with Bill, like, I just don't think that's the way Kraft kind of wants to end this relationship, right? I think Bill kind of even deserves finishing the year and having. How if they want to split at the end of the season? I think that's more of a realistic way to do this. And they, I, I will say though, if there was a time to do it, it would be after Germany when you have mm-hmm. your bye week, or then they have this Thursday game and a long break. Uh, they play Thursday and then the, the following Monday night against Kansas City. So there's two like breaks here that if they were going to make a move, you could see it happening. And I, I think. Germany could be a sneaky big game for him too, but uh, I, I still would be surprised if it's in midseason. And as for Mac, like they don't like any of their other quarterbacks on the roster. They cut yeah. Bailey Zappi. We have to keep coming back to that. They cut him to start the year. They've cycled through these third-string quarterbacks from Charlie to Matt Corral to Ian Book. They finally landed on Will Greer. Who's he's only been here for like two months. So are you ready to throw Will Greer in there and, and see what happens? I think like you're at the point where it's player evaluation stage at two and seven. So just ride this out with Mac and and see what kind of happens over the next uh, uh, seven eight games or so. Unless it gets really bad that you have to go to like Will Greer over the last like two games. But I think it's going to be uh, a Bill and Mac for for the rest of this season. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, Mac is still under contract for next season. It's very unlikely you get any significant draft capital for him. So for better or worse, you need to see, can he get out of this funk? Can he, you know, find some kind of rhythm late in the season? Or does he just start to really fall behind to the point where the quarterback position is even more of a dire need than you think? Because there's so many holes on this roster, especially if they don't have a top three pick. You can't really bank on the quarterback position being any different next season outside of maybe some solid rookie competition, uh, you know, maybe in the earlier mid rounds. 
So I don't I think you're stuck with Mac. And again, that's another indictment on the roster construction and the fact that Bailey Zappi is not someone who has thrived in Bill O'Brien's system. And Will Greer is someone who joined late and really is a break glass in case of emergency because you're not helping your roster, especially considering the season's already lost. There's nothing really that Will Greer is going to offer you in terms of long-term evaluation, understanding your roster better. When it comes to Bill, it's tough because clearly ownership is not happy. So it's really a matter of how unhappy are they? Like, are they saying we need to pull the plug and give somebody else the opportunity if they do have an internal plan in place to say, we need to see what this person can do if they can fire up the team? Because, you know, last week, the penalties were kind of iffy at times. But there was also the fact that a lot of the time you're looking at it and saying, well, you still gave them a reason to throw the flag. Like special teams, Brendan Schooler, Mac Wilson. It's not like they were totally innocent where Mac isn't moving or Brendan is just like, well, I didn't even touch the guy. You're still doing just enough to give officiating, which has been terrible league-wide, an excuse to put you in a position to hurt the team. So you see those kind of errors with the penalties, and then you're just seeing execution is falling, and discipline from really a lot of different areas isn't what you expect. So... I still don't think Bill gets fired midseason unless maybe they just get like stomped out in Germany and Gardner Minshew looks like prime Peyton Manning. Maybe then you consider it, but I think they're kind of stuck uh, with who they have for the long haul. Anything else you want to add there? Yeah, that's why I think like if there was a time, again, I don't think, I think he lasts the season, but if there was a time to kind of do this, it would be if they lose in Germany, because I think that could kind of be a big game you know, for the crafts going out there for the first time, I think they want to have roots over there in Germany. So if you go out there and, you know, you get embarrassed, like say it's like the Saints game or the Cowboys game, like how does that look? And then you have the bye. And if Gerard, if they viewed Gerard Mayo as the next guy, like why not give him a, a seven, eight game trial run and see how the team responds, see how that looks. And then you can kind of reevaluate, you know, at the end of the season there. But uh, again, I, I don't expect that to happen. That would just be the case for doing it, but I, I would still expect Bill to finish out the year, and I think he kind of deserves to finish out the year based on everything he's done for this organization. Absolutely, I agree, but we will see what happens. But for now, before we get into any more questions, real quick sponsor from our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so this next question kind of touches on something that we've just touched on, where it's okay, based on your draft capital and where you land, you might not get the kind of quarterback you want, so what are you going to do? Are you going to try to reach for somebody? Are you going to go somewhere else? 
And that's what this question addresses. And I'll let you answer it first. Assuming the Pats pick is between four and six, William and May are off the board. Would you roll the dice on someone like Knicks or more of a sure thing like offensive tackle? Yeah, this is the interesting one because mm-hmm. it looks like this might kind of be the position they find themselves in where you're outside of that top three. You know, the two top quarterbacks are gone. Marvin Harrison's gone. So what do you do? And like, do you take Michael Penix? I, I really don't like Bo Nix. I'm not there yet. Maybe J.J. McCarthy prove something over the last few weeks and in the college football playoffs if they sneak in but like you're reaching for a quarterback there i think in my opinion let's see how the last two months of the college football season go but i think you have two main options and it's you pick one of those short thing offensive tackles olu fashanu from penn state joe alt from notre dame and you lock that position down right like and, and you look at a lot of these the top teams in the league Philly, San Francisco, uh, even Kansas City, like they have really built up the offensive line. They're really built through the trenches and they they value that left tackle spot. You know, Trent Williams, guys like that, they all have a really good spot there. So you either kind of secure that spot or the other option, uh, if a team wants one of those offensive tackles, is you kind of do what the Cardinals did last year and, and you – or it was what Detroit did with Arizona is they traded down from the sixth spot. Arizona moved up to get Paris Johnson and, and they got like, they moved down from six to 12 and then they moved the third round pick all the way up to like the 34th pick in the draft. So you pick up another second rounder there. And then maybe you're talking at that 12 spot, like a Keon Coleman or Malik neighbors or one of those top wide receivers. You add the extra second round pick. Maybe there's another quarterback in the, in the second round you like or an offensive tackle there. I think that would be in consideration, even though, you know, trading down, that's so bad. But I don't think that would be such a bad path there if you get one of those top wide receivers still. But that, that that's going to be an interesting spot if you miss out on those those top three picks. And there's going to be a lot of options uh, for them to for them, a lot of paths for them to go in that range. Yeah, I agree. I was actually going to say I wouldn't hate them trading out of one of those top five picks or top, you know, top 10 picks. And the reason I say that is one, this is a team where like I was looking, we kind of talked about foundational players. I'm looking through the roster, trying to find basically who is under 27 that you look at and say, I want this to be like a foundational guy on my team. They don't have a lot of young talent, especially on offense. Like it is severely lacking. So I think that, especially if you're talking about a quarterback, I really think that outside of the top 10 and the guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May, it's kind of a reach if you decide yeah. to even go like Penix because age, injury, like everybody else in this class has something that is a sincere, I don't want to say red flag, but a yellow flag where you're like, all right, I don't know if I want to send premium, premium assets on this guy. So I think you trade back if you can get some better picks in the first two or three rounds. I think you kind of bulk up in that way because there's a lot of talent in this class. I think second round, you can come away with some really good players. So I agree. I would like to see them, unless there's a guy like, a, you know, I guess if they get like six or four, they're probably not going to be in the range for like a Marvin Harrison Jr. But still, if you can get a guy who you think is going to be a difference maker for you quickly, and then you kind of flesh out your roster, because if, if you're going for a one-year rebuild, I think that's where you get yourself in trouble where you're just pressing too hard because this is a roster that has a lot of holes. 
And obviously free agency, they have a ton of free agents. Um, so it's like, who are you going to bring back? Are on Wenu and Trent Brown on the roster? Like, how do you feel about the offensive tackle position then? Um, whether or not they address wide receiver with the veteran, there's so many things that could happen before that. But I would say that putting it out there that, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to trade down, get yourself some more picks and maybe get yourself in a position where you're more comfortable. Getting a guy who you like on your board, I wouldn't hate that at all. Yeah. And another thing is, we don't know the system they're being drafted yeah. into, right? Like that's, that's, that's a big thing that could change right now. We're just looking at guys for Bill O'Brien's system and Bill Belichick's team, but like that, that could obviously change. So like if you move down a few, few picks and you still have an option of like, there are outside of Marvin Harrison, like there are four really good receivers in mm -hmm. that first round range that like, I rotate between like each day or whoever I'm watching on TV, like who the wide receiver two, three, four is. So if you get, you know, one of those guys and you could still pick up another top 40 pick and then you have two top 40 picks, then maybe you want to move back up to the first round. If one of those, you know, Michael Penix is dropping or you like mm -hmm. one of the quarterbacks, you just, it, it, it keeps your options available to you. And I know people will roll their eyes when they hear trade back and, to be fair, Bill has never really trade back when he has one of those top 10 picks. Like he usually takes that, but I don't think uh, it would be in the, their worst interest to move back a few picks, take one of those receivers and, and get some more, you know, top 40 capital uh, in their bank there. I agree. And then just want to address a couple of things in the comments. One, big Carolina B man. I'm not taking an offensive tackle with a top five pick. I understand that it's not sexy, especially when you're a team that also needs quarterback and receiver. But offensive tackles are the most rare athlete yeah. on the football field. More rare than quarterback, more mm -hmm. rare than wide receiver. Those are guys where if you can get someone who's going to be a wall for you, who you don't have to think about for the next 10 years – you run up and give that card because that is insanely valuable. You saw it for CJ Stroud, having a guy like Laramie Tunsil, where again, you don't even have to think about one of the premium positions on the field. That's invaluable, especially if they can both pass block and they're difference makers in the run game, kind of like a Trent Brown, where he's on his game, he's moving people and you don't hear his name a single time. He drops back to pass protect. And then, saying you need a quarterback. I completely understand that argument, and I get that another year of Mac Jones, if he plays the way he's playing this year and doesn't improve, is going to be frustrating. No question about it. But regardless of who you bring into this system, they need help. Unless you want another two or three years of a guy who's on a rookie contract having to uh, overcome a bad offensive line and a lack of premium talent where he's got to make everything happen in the pass game, that's not a fair position to put them in. We've already gone through that. So I think it makes more sense. You got a quarterback on a rookie contract, develop someone, you know, if they if more in a reasonable round, like late in the first or second round, if you already get a premium uh, selection before that. Build around them and then see what you got. If you're so bad that Mac Jones can't get it done when you have a true wide receiver one and good offensive tackles, then you know what? You're probably going to be in position to get a quarterback anyway. And if he does well, then maybe you reconsider and see that, hey, Mac's pretty good. Now we have good quarterback depth and we actually have an offense that can probably compete for the foreseeable future. Uh, anything else or you want to move on to the next question? I will I will say it's it's good for them that like, it looks like two of the biggest strengths in this draft are wide receiver and offensive tackle. So, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what path you go early there, or even if, you know, you're lucky enough to get a shot at Caleb Williams or Drake may, you might be able to find maybe a day one start at offensive tackle early in the second round there and a receiver that can step in and contribute maybe in the third or the fourth round there. So I think they'll have plenty of options available to them. 
if they could get their hands on Drake May or Caleb Williams, I think they absolutely have to do that. But then, you know, out, outside of that, I think they have a lot of different paths to go. And, and again, we have a long time to see what, what's going to happen. We have two months of college football left. We have to see who the coach is. We have to see how they handle free agency. But there's going to be some top talent uh, available to them and, and, you know, plenty of plenty of chances to add some good pieces on the offensive side of the ball, which is where all their resources should be going this offseason to the offensive side of the ball. Good year to be a bad team with bad offense, <laughs> pretty much. Um, all right, so next up, which linemen are legitimately worth keeping around next year and who replaces the others in a perfect world? Uh, I could take this one first. I think you bring back Trent Brown. Uh, he's been as tough as you could reasonably expect him to be. Like the only games he's missed so far with a concussion, which everybody misses at least a week with a concussion these days, unless you're the 49ers. Um, and then uh you also and then obviously his leg, which he's legitimately banged up. Like the fact that he was even playing on that thing tells you a lot about what you need to know. At the same time, maybe he prices himself out and they decide, hey, like you said, this is a good offensive tackle draft. Maybe we go there. Uh, but Trent Brown has been your best offensive lineman this year. So in an ideal world, I'd like to bring him back. Whether or not he comes back, I think you have to re-sign Mike and Wenu. Um, I think other than this recent injury, he's been one of your most consistent players on offense since he got there. I'd like to see him at his more natural position of guard, especially because I don't have a ton of faith in like an Antonio Mafi to be able to step up next season. Although City So, I think he's been playing well. I'd like to see what he can do. But in Wenu, whether it's tackle or guard, I think he's someone you keep around because he's earned it. And then... I tell you, I've talked about this plenty of times, but David Andrews, if he does retire, you'd like to see him back because, yeah, he gives up a couple pressures a game that you'd expect from an aging center, but he's also a difference maker and one of their only reliable pieces in the run game, and he's also got invaluable intelligence, and he's a leader on the team. If he doesn't come back, put Cole Strange at center. I still, It's becoming more and more apparent that although the lost practice time is significant and it's hurt his ability. Like he told me directly, you can't simulate getting bull rushed. You know, he's put on more weight, but it's something that he missed all summer. So it's a tough thing to really get used to your new body and be able to defend against that. But I'd like to see him at center where I think that lack of mass would put him in a better position because he's more helping out or has help. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, they got a lot of young guys on the interior, but you can't rely on Antonio Mafia or Jake Andrews uh, actually being reliable for you next season. So, you know, you got Cole Strange under contract. I'd like to put him in the best position to succeed, bring back Mike and Wenu. And if Trent Brown doesn't price himself out, although I do, I would like to see them, you know, pay him a decent amount of money as long as he is relatively healthy and isn't asking for a crazy amount, I'd like to see him back as well. Yeah, if you could bring both tackles back and then maybe take like the Nate Solder route and add a guy in the second round there that you say, okay, this is going to be Trent Brown's replacement after a year or whatever, I think that'd be a good route. And a window would be the big one. Like you didn't trade him at the deadline, so pay him. Like he's mm -hmm. a good player. You get out of this hole by getting good players and keeping good players. They haven't given any of their young guys second contracts in a while. We don't need to rehash that list. We know it's bad, but like pay your good players, keep them around. And, and like you need, you know, another part of this is like you need leaders. You need your next group of leaders. And that comes from these young guys who stay around and they, they've been a part of winning teams and they've seen the culture here. And like you want to keep those guys around. And it, it would be interesting if they keep them at tackle because I think. You know, City So has, has been good at like promising rookie tape at, at guard. There are obviously, some improvements, but looks like you might have a guy there. So, 
if Cole Strange is your center, does he move to left and Onwenu's at right guard and then you need another tackle? But like he, he's been a good tackle. I know uh, he's obviously more of a fit at guard, but they like that powerful guy at the right tackle spot anyway. So yep. would they maybe just say like, hey, he's going to be our tackle. We're going to roll with that. Like there's a lot of moving parts there that could happen. But if they could bring all these guys back and add a top, 50 60 rookie in that mix i think that'd be a a pretty good path there and maybe you get a a jump from one of these other like mafia jake andrews to uh help at, at some point along that line yeah and i just looked it up it's elton jenkins for the packers there is precedent for an offensive lineman getting a contract that's structured like they're a guard but has incentives if they play tackle i think that's your best case scenario uh with the mike and Wenu, where like you said you got to start rewarding players who are doing well for you, especially yeah. the young guys, because it's hard to keep a locker room, especially after this season, if the guys who are gutting it out for you and actually showing that they, you know, are trying their best despite what's in front of them and playing well. I think Mike and Wenu since week seven, since he started playing right tackle, has a third lowest pressure rate allowed among tackles. Like he'll get beat badly by like one speed rush a game, but most of the time he's doing his job and hanging in just long enough for them to be able to get plays off. So yeah, start rewarding your young guys and keep some talent around, have some people to build off of. So whoever's a quarterback, they can have some faith in their protection. Before we move on to some of our final questions, talk about jobs. Obviously, LinkedIn comes to mind. One of our sponsors, very grateful to them. I'm going to send it over to them real quick. We'll be back. We also want to tell you about LinkedIn Talent Solutions here. Uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for your small business. We've got a small business, Taylor, growing every day, but small. Still, you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates like Taylor. Uh, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Um, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team fast and free. Um, and we have used this quite a bit and we have uh, found a lot of really good talent by uh, using this uh, LinkedIn talent solutions here. Uh, and it really is our primary kind of go-to every time we have an opening here at CLNS Media. Uh, and we just actually filled quite a few openings through uh, LinkedIn. So, um, you know, oh, I think we onboarded three people uh, last week, Taylor. I'm not, hey, we did, we did. Family getting bigger. Family is growing. So it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one delivering quality. Um, so all you have to do is uh, post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash beat and Patriots beat, which Taylor Kyles is on, on the Patriots beat. Um, LinkedIn.com slash beat, post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, real quick, I just wanted to address, we've got a birthday in the chat, so I figure we just say answer this. Happy birthday, first of all, Dow305. Um, will someone finally answer whether or not Taekwon is worth a third-round pick if he starts pounding bag large Ziploc bags of soft reheated spaghetti? You want to take this one first? <laughs> It's worth it. <laughs> well, happy birthday, but uh, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you're going to get a third round pick for a puts on some spaghetti LBs there, but uh, I mean, he's at the point next offseason where he's got no more guaranteed money on his contract, so like, he's going to be a popular cut candidate going into training camp, but uh, maybe you hope he, he has some good good tape some good preseason performance type them up during training camp and maybe you get some some trade value there or you know i don't know if we're gonna say he's gonna contribute next year i'm not ready to buy into that yet but 
I think that's your best hope if if you want any draft capital back for him is he shows some flashes during preseason or maybe a joint practice and some team maybe gives you a pick swap or some value sort of there. Yeah, just I agree. Two things. I don't think he's going to get any bigger. I was hoping that might be the case when he came out. Uh, I have since learned, especially because, you know, there was a lot of talk about his wrists being skinny. Apparently, that's a pretty crucial part of predicting how big someone can actually get. So I don't think he's going to get any bigger. And it would take a 180 for him to get more than I think a fifth round pick. So yeah, realistically, I don't think so. But again, happy birthday. Thank you for joining. We appreciate you. Uh, Moving on. Why don't the Patriots have a true third down back? Why do you think they aren't using Ty Montgomery in that role? They've had the position up until White retired and now nothing. I feel like you're passionate about this as am I, but I'm going to give you the floor because it is definitely a frustrating uh, situation. It's a great question. And for years, like throughout the whole, excuse me, the whole Brady dynasty, like how crucial is that third down back for them from Falk to Woodhead to Vereen to to White was awesome. And since White retired, it just hasn't existed. And and for a quarterback Mm -hmm. like Mac, like that should be such a big part of what they do. And and you see it on, on the field, on tape every week. Like he doesn't have that quick outlet. Like, Ramondre can catch the ball, but there's times that he just takes too long to get into it. I thought uh, in Miami two weeks ago, like that was really apparent after that that fumble to start the third quarter. Ramondre's one on one with Bradley Chubb and Max looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, being like, "Let's go! You're against the edge rusher. Get open, and I can just hit you for four yards and move the chains." And it, he's just too slow to get into it, and Mac gets sacked. And I will say, I thought Ramondre had some better juice against the commanders in some of those routes, but I I still just don't think that's his game. He's not a quick twitch, like receiving back. And, you know, they miss that just quick five, six yards, move the chains, stay on schedule. And I don't know if they thought they would just, you know, they found these guys so easily that maybe they just thought it was going to be Pierre strong. He didn't work. And then they just thought it would be Ty Montgomery who made plays in that role all throughout training camp, even last year when he was here, and they just haven't used him in that role, and, and it's puzzling. And, and you know, th- it goes back to a bigger like roster question building standpoint. Like they used to be so good at not only finding these guys, but covering their butts for other positions, right? Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, Nate Soldier, they had that plan a year ahead of time. Like they always plan a year, and they haven't done that. At running back, they haven't done it for Devin McCourty at free safety, like wide receivers, tight ends since Gronk has left. It, it's been puzzling, and I think they truly miss that that pass-catching third-down running back, and I don't know where it's gone and why they just kind of ignored that. I completely agree. It's been weird, especially because they tried this pony package with Zeke and Mondre, and like we were kind of excited about it, the potential for it, because it's, hey, if they know these guys so well and they're putting it out there, then it should work pretty well. Zeke is not a receiving back. Like I think Ramondre, another thing with Ramondre, I think it's like four drops this season. I tweeted it was like his first target of the game he dropped, and I said, then the next play, of course, he gets a catch and converts on third and long. But I remember being like – this isn't fair to him. Like he's not a natural receiver. He's better at it than you'd expect for someone of his size who probably should just be an every down presence. And he's great in blitz pickups. So it's understandable why they give him the opportunities, 
But the fact that they don't use Ty Montgomery in that role more, and you'd think that it's okay, he's a converted receiver, maybe it's pass blocking. We see him in the locker room. That dude's huge. He's like I he doesn't get a lot of opportunities to pick up uh, the blitz or anything, but I think he'd do a pretty good job, um, unless he's just not getting it done in practice. So yeah, it's a bizarre situation. Um, I really do think that especially with defenses, it's not the case as much against the Patriots because they face a lot of man coverage because teams don't respect them. But with a lot of defenses playing deep and they're trying to just bail and protect against all the stuff downfield, you'd like that underneath guy who can take the matchups against linebackers and it's, okay, one-on-one, he's going to win and get the first down. Monterey does a good job of that most of the time, but there's too many of those moments where you're just like, they need someone better who is supposed to be doing this and not someone where you're like, hey, valley and effort, like you're doing solid, but it's just, I don't think it should be his role. And I agree. I, I think get somebody in the offseason I if they don't trust Ty Montgomery it is what it is uh his role has been so small this season outside of special teams I don't even know if it there's if he's worth bringing back next season because like what are you going to do with him if this is what we're seeing when the offense is desperate for playmakers um yeah it's strange and I hope that they do something with it uh anything else you got before we move on yeah the month it's just weird with Montgomery because I said both training camps he's been here, he's been excellent in that role. He makes plays. And then he even caught a touchdown in the season opener last year out of the backfield. And I don't know if it's, you know, having him miss all of last year, then missing a large part of training camp this year. Maybe they just kind of scratch that from the playbook and said, like, we can't rely on this guy in a full-time role. Uh, but like you have nothing to lose and he's healthy right now. So just, just put him out there and see it. Cause I think he's a good skill set for that role, but they, they just haven't done it and just neglecting that position, a uh, position that was so big in this offense for years. It's just, it's just, we don't know why or how to, to explain it. And then JJ Taylor is your third down back for all of training camp, all of preseason. He's like the main guy over Pierre Strong. And let me look at it. Is he even I don't even think he's on a team right now. I he's not he just, even on it. Oh, he's on the Texans. Yeah, he just signed. Yeah. Like, on a practice squad last week. Yep, November 1st. Literally just signed with them. So the one guy who even auditioned for the role, and he didn't even want to come back on to the team. So bizarre situation. Um, all right, last question from the mailbag. Uh, how do the Patriots turn this around to being a competitive football team next year? Drafting a new QB won't solve all of their problems. I agree. Do you want to take this one first? Or you want me to kick it off? Uh, I mean, we mentioned it somewhat earlier. Just yeah, put all horses into offense, right? Like, <laughs> you have uh, it's going to be a top 10 pick, it looks like. We'll see where that ends up top five but you're gonna have a chance to add some good talent in the draft you're gonna have it looks like 70 80 million of cap space now you know these hopefully they take care of some of their own guys but they're gonna have a lot of resources to go out and try to turn this thing around and you know we mentioned building blocks there's not many on the offense there you know mondre will be here there's some pieces on the offensive line i think Douglas is going to be a part of things you can get two top receivers maybe kendrick Bourne's part of that maybe it's a t higgins or it's a, a roma dunze in the draft a year with a top dog kendrick Bourne resigned and demario douglas i think that's a pretty good trio at wide receiver and then maybe it's drake may or one of these uh, uh quarterbacks and you can reset the uh, rookie clock rookie contract clock at the quarterback position there's a lot of passes 
take, but they have a lot of resources and like they could turn this thing around pretty quickly if they hit on everything, which is tough to do, especially with this team. But uh, I think, you know, with the resources they have, not only this year, but ton of cap space the following years, like there's a path for them to kind of turn this thing around on the offensive side of the ball. I completely agree, and I think the question is right. As we said earlier, a quarterback isn't necessarily going to solve all their problems if they don't flesh out the rest of their offense. And frankly, there was a question, do you trust Bill Belichick to draft offensive players? No. No. Outside of outside of uh, offensive line, which, you know, even recently has been pretty hit or miss, I don't really. And there's a – I'm not a part of me. Like, I pretty loudly hope that there is some change in the – player personnel department and some kind of philosophical shift or something because what's we've been seeing for the past few years isn't going to cut it uh but you made a great point that they have the resources they have the draft capital the money uh they can get some better players to really turn this into i think i don't think this is going to be a team that makes it deep into the playoffs next season even if all goes well but i do think it could be similar to a mac jones rookie year where you're saying okay this is a significant improvement from what we saw last season. This is a competitive team where, you know, things may not always go our way, but we're in these games. And there's something to start looking forward to as opposed to this season where you're looking at it and saying, like, truly, what did they do well? Like, what did they do well consistently that you wouldn't expect from, you know, a college offense, really? And I'm not even being rude. I mean, most of it's quick game. Most of it's underneath sometimes the run game, but it's not anything that you see in most NFL offenses that are competitive where you're saying, okay, this is a consistent model of success because you just don't see that very often. And I, I do think that the priority should be making sure that every position group has someone that is reliable and that, you know, you have faith in rather than just saying, okay, we got a shiny new quarterback. What now? Because you can't keep putting so much pressure on these young guys. Uh, that's my take. Anything before we head out, Brian? No, you pretty much nailed it there. Just offense, 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 free agency, draft, offense, offense, offense. Just go all in on that side of the ball because you got to outscore teams in this yeah. league. And set, struggling to get 17 points every week and needing turnovers to get 17 points every week is just not going to cut it. So like, I think it starts with the quarterback, probably going to need a new quarterback, and then just, you know, kind of blow up that side of the ball and start over and get some guesses there, hopefully. So your hot take of the day for me and Brian is the Patriots need to fix their offense. <laughs> there it is. Brian, thank oh. you, brother. I always appreciate you. Uh, let people know what you got coming out and where they can find it. Yeah, you can follow me on the Bird app or X or whatever you call it. I am Brian Hines. Uh Barth and I, you know, right here on the CLNS Media Network, uh, Monday, Thursday, talking Patriots on Patriots Beat, and then all the wonderful words written over at patspulpit.com. You can go read that over there. Big family in the Pats community. We got uh, Pats Pulpit. We got CLNS Media. We're all over the place. We're all working uh, together. But thank you all. Exactly. Got to. Somebody's got to. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 